0: Join us this October 1st through 3rd for our first annual Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. We are bringing a mix of beer and songs, fellowship and food, and speakers who have been deplatformed by the evangelical elite and occasionally end up in Facebook jail. Step out of the boring, benign Christian conference circuit and step into the rowdy Christian world of engaging culture while standing firmly on God's word. Most conferences will lull your faith to sleep and teach you how to obey the 11th commandment. But our people, our culture, our country needs the high-octane gospel that applies to every area of our lives. So join us in Nashville as we fight, laugh, and feast together. Sign up now at fightlaughfeast.com and we look forward to seeing you in Nashville October 1st through 3rd as we build a rowdy Christian culture for God's glory and our good.
1: You know we at war with your gods, y'all. The flesh in the world gotta die.
0: Hey y'all, welcome to Cross Politic Founders Mashup. It's good to be with you. We got Pastor Toby, we got the Water Boy, and then on the other side of the world, where there is no COVID experience going on over there yeah. we got Chuck Knox, Pastor Longshore, Pastor Askel, good to have you guys, good to see you
2: guys, I miss you brothers, and hey, no- Knox just blink twice, blink twice if you need us to come on a rescue mission, blink twice, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, oh, hey. W- at- <laughs> <laughs> he's blinking more no, than twice, He's blinking a lot. It's like it's like it's like a you know coding. He's coding with us or whatever. Hey, we're gonna be in Nashville, Tennessee, October first through the third. It's open up. Nashville's not like D.C. Nashville's not like New York. Nashville's not like Chicago. It's opening up. In fact, our conference venue that we're we're gonna be at, they're having their first big event starting in July. So we're gonna be wide open in Nashville, October first through the third. Make sure you guys go to FightLifeFeast.com to sign up for that conference. It's not for the faint-hearted. You got to be rowdy to be be able to attend that conference. Uh-oh. Yep, yep. It's not going to be wait, like. Wait,
3: wait, 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 wait. But if you're faint hearted and you got the money and you want to come, we welcome you.
0: We, we <laughs> welcome you. We welcome you. Absolutely. And, and we'll have masks for you.
2: <laughs> no, we won't.
0: No, we won't. No, no, we won't. Actually, no, we won't. No, 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 no mask. So uh, the reason why we're we're, have this set up today it's cause David is actually down in Florida and, uh, doing a big project with, uh, founders, our founders buddies. And you guys have been working on a project called Wield the Sword for, for months now. And now it's come to fruition in, uh, in, in this week or, or I guess starting to come to fruition this week. If you guys want to maybe just kind of kick it off and summarize why are we, why do we even need to do a project like this? And, and what is this project about?
4: One of the things I've been telling guys, Gabe, is if you look at kind of the reformed evangelical world, I remember, I don't know, it was 10 years ago or so, it seemed like every time I turned on the Internet, I saw another guy wearing plaid sitting somewhere in the downtown environment talking about planting a church in a city. And it seemed that Chris Tomlin, you're the god of the city, was always playing over the background, right? Yeah. And all these wonderful pictures, and people were talking about seeking the welfare of the city. There was a great movement for guys to do that. That was in the New Calvinism, the Young Restless Reform Movement. I believe there's another strand of evangelicalism that was kind of looking at them sideways, saying, Why in the world are you out there in the city? Uh, Why are you trying to take God's word in that way and apply it to all of life? So we're about the gospel, we're about the church, but we don't need to be out there um, thinking about culture and those kinds of things. I I believe that young movement really did go into the city, but in many ways got put in the pocket of the city. I don't think that, I've said, I think they should have brought their KJV when they went to the city. Um, at the same time, these other this other strand can kind of look down their nose now and say, see, you should have never been out there because you've kind of become Canaanized or you've become like the world and you've lost the power of, of the gospel and the power of Christ and his word. So I'm hoping that this project will kind of speak to both of those areas and say there was a, there was a right impulse here to, yeah. to think of all of Christ for all of life, but we really have to do that under the authority of Christ and his word. Uh, We are the people that know the creator of this world. We know the redeemer of this world. Who better to go and to disciple the nations than the people who have God's word? So let's think about these areas where a lot of evangelicals really aren't thinking about. uh, And how does the word of God apply? How do we actually do the word in these areas? And I'd add, there's also a a tendency to think, well, I, I confess the word to be inerrant. I confess the word to be authoritative, but in reality, in practice, I'm actually not abiding by it. So I'm kind of like a theoretical inerrantist. I'm a theoretical confessionalist. But what's it really going to look like to obey this word in our lives? That's hopefully so, what we're getting after in this project.
2: So, Jared, can you just describe um, what what is wield the sword? What are you actually doing practically? And why did you have to steal chocolate knocks to do it? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> Wait, hold on, man! We we missed
4: the. There's death penalty for that. that. Apparently, we've stolen some of your cameras too. uh, (laughs) uh, One of the reasons there's this sweet, awesome light that you can't see. It's like fascinating. I just want to stare at it. Um, And that's a symbol of the uh, amazing gifts of Chocolate Knox. Uh, He's brilliant, and you know he did by what standard with us, and it was amazing. And so when we said it's time to do another project. Uh, there's just no doubt in our minds that we need to get Knox over here to do this again And so where by what standard was a was a film. Sorry It's a synodoc A cine It was a synodoc doc um, That was pointing out a worldly ideology that was coming in uh, that was around us in the world And that was coming in upon the church We really wanted to highlight that ideology and show how some good brothers and sisters were in danger of being taken captive by this worldly philosophy after that, we started to feel convicted ourselves because that worldly philosophy was getting on the ground in America, kind of like a post, post-modernism. like It had some teeth to it with intersectionality and critical race theory. And in some ways, what was happening is, is Christianity was just remaining up there in the heavenlies and the evangelical world, and we weren't putting it on the ground. So since we weren't on the ground, uh, this other ideology was on the ground taking action. And so we said, we really need to deal with this. So the project of Wheel of the Sword... Uh, we hope it's constructive. The other one was probably more of um, defensive posture, and this is going to be more of an offensive posture to help people understand these categories. So it's a. This one is not a cine doc. This one is um docu series. It's an yeah. episodic deal. We're going to have 15 different episodes, each one of them running about 45 minutes to an hour or so. It's about where we're at, and we have a different guy coming in for each of those topics. Uh, but we're also having some round tables with those guys so it, there are going to be specific topics but there'll be some blend of these ideas but addressing this these variety of
0: topics from the word of god i want i wanted to maybe go back real quick um you were talking about kind of why we needed to do why you guys felt the need to do this project and it and it, you you kind of talked about two strands um and it seems like in the last 20 years there's been a huge emphasis it's it's kind of odd to me that there's been this huge emphasis on church planting bringing the gospel to the to the city bringing uh you know uh taking over communities with the gospel you know Acts 29 network was kind of a big birth out of all this and so there seems like there's been a huge emphasis to do this uh why has that failed
4: So let
1: it
0: go. Let it go. <laughs> Tom, Tom's adjusting. <laughs>
1: yeah, buckle up because uh, I mean, the bottom line is there just wasn't much of a grasp of the gospel. And the gospel was taken so often, uh, didn't have the kind of uh, rigorous grounding in God's word. And there, there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of. Uh, openness to being taken advantage of in the name of trying to be friendly uh, slash loving. And if we're going to understand the culture and identify with the culture, look for the good things in the culture and applaud them, look for the broken things and fix them, look for the neutral things and just, you know, let them be in that process of trying to think that way about culture. A lot of these guys just simply got played. They got Mm. taken over by the culture and uh, kind of forgot the marching orders. And it's like, you know, if uh, we just have to be like Christ and look how kind Christ was and look how he went and mixed with different kinds of people. And they forgot, as was said by one of the fellows speaking this week on Wheel of the Sword, you know, Jesus was sort of Christ-like and and he got crucified. And these guys are seemingly unwilling to be crucified and they figured out ways not to be crucified but, but to be applauded by the very culture that is operating on godless principles and foundations. And so if you're unwilling to challenge the gods of this world, identify them, and declare them not to be gods in the name of Jesus, well, then you can—they'll let you get along pretty well with them. And as long as you stay in your arena and you don't actually affirm everything that ought to be affirmed under the Lordship of Christ. And I fear that that some well-meaning people— who um, are, are good-hearted, just got taken advantage of because they don't have a rigorous, rock-ribbed understanding of and commitment to the authority and sufficiency of God's Word and the Lordship of Jesus Christ in all areas. And so these ideologies that come to them, as Paul warns in Colossians 2.8, were not according to Christ, and they didn't recognize it
2: mm. because
1: they thought, well, you know, that we're, we're here for the city, and the city says this, the city operates like this. And if we can fit in without conflict, then we got to do that. And so a lot of things got compromised in the process. You wake up
3: one day and you're way down the river from where you ought to be. Um, I, so there is a group of people who are really rock solid theologians that are biblicalists inerrantists, the whole nine. And they tend, they tend to have this idea that you can't do both of those things. And proof of it has been look at What's happened with Acts 29, right? Like so they've they've got the cultural mandate, they're going in there, and then boom, they get overtaken, they don't see it. And so they're they're maintaining the idea this is impossible. It's really hard to do both of those at the same time. And so I guess the question is how do you do that where you can actually engage the culture, engage the world, and then at the same time be out and not get caught off by those doctrines.
1: Yeah, well, I, I don't deny it's a challenge, and I think that's why people tend to one or the other, because it's easier uh, to, find, to navigate a course using some scripture to justify being for the city or to justify, hey, we've got to stay separate and maintain our theology. And yet, again, th- this is God's world, and he's called us to take, take what he has given to us in his word into every square inch of this world. And we sh- we're not to be afraid of anything and we're to look at everything under the lordship of Christ and claim that and and work for his lordship being recognized and honored. That doesn't mean that we strap on machine guns and go around killing people who don't agree with us theologically, but it does mean that we enter into the fray and we'd be willing to speak for Christ, but for Christ, knowing what Christ really has said in his word and not compromise that. So I I think it's a loss or lack of a rigorous confessionalism If we understand the creeds of the church, the ecumenical creeds and the Orthodox uh, and evangelical catechisms and and confessions and take those seriously and then look at the contexts out of which those creeds and confessions came and the heroes that we applaud today and what they were trying to do, then we'll realize that we're deficient on either one of those extremes, Mm. but we've got to be the people who take God's word seriously and who are going to be committed to faithfulness, recognizing, as Hebrews 11 teaches, that by faith Abraham left and went to a country he didn't know. By faith Moses renounced the opportunities he had in Egypt. And uh, by faith there were all kinds of victories won and battles that were uh, successfully accomplished. But also by faith some people were sawn in tune and thrown to wild animals. Right. And it's the same faith, same faithfulness. And God just builds his church on the blood of some people that don't live to see the... Uh, the gains that they would love mm. to see, but they are part of it because some water and some plant. But God's wanting to the increase, and that mentality it, it just needs to be in us as the people, people of God, so that we live our lives without thought about you know what's in it for us and and what are we going to live to accomplish uh, and, and see accomplished. But rather, we're clear on the mission and realize that we got a commander who's going to position us in the war where he wants us and. Live or die. Our responsibility is
0: faithless. I remember one of the big themes that uh, you know Acts twenty nine was um, emphasizing was major on the majors, minor on the minors. And I think I think that's helpful when maybe we're, we're working with other churches. You know, major on the majors, but I, I I think that's very unhelpful when you're trying to disciple your your particular flock in your particular congregation and how to think about how God's word applies in the details. And yeah, so, and,
1: and, and, go. No, yeah, major on the majors but don't pretend the minors aren't there. Exactly. If, if there's something that's not a frontline theological issue that is revealed in scripture, we're not free to ignore it and say that we can just let it go. No, we got to handle it differently, but it still comes from God. So
4: and what I, the major on the major on the major minor and the minors thing. I want to pick up on that because what I what I suspect was happening and still does is you you say that, you say that phrase which sounds Fair sounds square, mm-hmm. but you're actually saying that having been discipled more by secular humanism than you realize. Mm-hmm. So, so what happens is you you actually kind of lose your grip on what the majors are, and and you you lose your grip on what the minors are. You're allowing the world to define what is a major and what is a minor. Right. Uh, even in the way that you can deny like what love is. So we all know we're supposed to love, but what is it? Well, it's an entirely different thing according to the, the spirit of this age that we live in, uh, as opposed to what the Word of God itself says. I go back to John uh, John Harris's Joshua Harris's renunciation of the faith again and again on Instagram because he kept saying I'm I, I'm freer than I've ever been. Right. Yeah. You know, I've had people love me more than they've ever loved me. He's using biblical language, but he means the exact opposite. And I, I believe that's happened. Like the, the, we need sons of Issachar. What happened is guys really wanted to do what was right. But they didn't realize they really had not allowed the Word of God to define for them what a major thing is and what the truth is, and so then then the compromises began.
1: And that's where you get people saying things like, you know, God only whispers about homosexuality, <laughs> right? He screams about pride. That's exactly
2: right. Yeah.
3: And when you say people, you mean J.D. Greer, right? yes? Okay. <laughs>
1: you know, I
2: think uh, I know. an example, though I think of maybe there's I think there's a fair bit of uh, naivete also going on in all of this where people don't understand, um, where certain minor things actually become major things depending on the context. So for example, you know, in Galatians two, Paul throws down about the seating arrangements at the potluck. Yeah. And, and that's, and, you know, so in any ordinary, you know, list of majors and minors, people would say seating arrangements at the potluck. I mean, that doesn't even make it to my list of minors but it but the but it all depends on well but why 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 are the jews over there and the gentiles over there mm-hmm. and and paul says you just that, you just went into the major issue. This is a gospel issue now because you're denying the gospel unites Jew and Gentile by faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's right. And and so there's it seems to me like there's a lot of naivete in terms of these things, like as if they're just these fixed categories that never, you know, they're watertight and they never bleed into one another. But it all depends on um, what is the context in which. You know, you're taking this political stand or this cultural stand, or you know, saying, you know, yeah, God whispers about homosexuality. I mean, there's, um, depending on the issue, the gospel really might be at stake.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think you're exactly right there, Toby. Because if you look at what Paul did with circumcision in Acts 16, he circumcised Timothy. Right. In Galatians 1, he tells us he refused to circumcise Titus. Right. And then he tells us more than once. Circumcision is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. Right. And so the, the act of circumcision wasn't that big a deal, but he did it with Timothy. He refused to do it with Titus. And the reason that he refused with Titus is because the gospel was at stake. Mm-hmm. People were telling him, you've got to circumcise Titus if he's going to be accepted as a genuine Christian. Right. And Paul says, Oh yeah, watch this. <laughs> to do it.
2: Right. Yeah.
4: And, and to bring
1: it down to the ground for what I, 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 I imagine there
4: were a number of conversations as guys are planting churches in the whole movement. And, you know, somebody's going to say, hey, hey, what's the what's all the colored lights in the rock band about here in the worship? Mm-hmm. Right. Seems like an indifferent thing. And you might have that other group we're talking about that thinks you shouldn't be in the city at all. They're like, you know, you know, we're against rock music, period. You know, and right. that's wrong. Um, it's this indifferent thing. But why are you doing it? Well, you're doing it because you're 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 trying to find some kind of common ground there. You're doing this under the name. Of I've become all things to all men, right. but you have no understanding of regular principle of worship and a significant understanding of Regeneration and the preaching of the cross and what must happen to people who are totally depraved if They're going to come to Christ and at some point there along the way somebody's got to say hey, you know what? Let's just not let's not do that. That's one example of something that became um, Highly significant because of what people were trying to do with it
0: so I assume on – go ahead, Knox. Uh, I'm probably going to
3: no, take this. I, I, I was just thinking, you know, there, the, I'm always playing devil's advocate. There's a. This is a really why Will the Sword for me is really important because part of what we see happening with the Acts 29 movement is not it, – it really is based in the fact that they hadn't seen anything modeled there before. So what? Wh- who's been discipling them? Um, they're the fruit and product of what's been going on uh, in the church. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to go and do something that they haven't been discipled to, or and it's like, okay, I know we got a problem, but I've not been taught how to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't have, I mean, even Matt Chandler is even up there talking, about it. and as we see, like we weren't educated in this. Like I don't, I don't know how to do this. And as he was talking about dealing with issues in his church, yep. so they got to get specialists to come in. Well, why? Where's the senior pastor, or the guy that's the, supposed to be discipling these men? So they know? We haven't touched it. We've been separated from the things to show. And Will the Sword is doing that now. It's actually coming in and saying, okay. How do we think about culture completely? How do we think about marriage and family? How is the government supposed to operate and run according to the scriptures of God? And so I think what we see happening with some of these Acts 29 is the fact that we haven't been modeling for them how we interact with the world. So then when they go out and interact with it, they don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so what we see is we. I think there's a there's a I see these guys. I mean, I, I love what they've done, but I look and say. Man, they could be doing a lot better had they had spiritual fathers teaching.
2: Knox, Knox, do you think there's, is there a sense though? I mean, I I appreciate that. But um, is there also a sense in which some of these people didn't want to listen to their fathers? (laughs) I mean, we I think
3: there is a sense of that after though. I think a lot of that came when the fathers came in afterwards. It's like, what you doing here with all this mess? Daddy, I'm making a computer. A computer? What's a computer? I don't even know what a computer is. And then they, then there's this rebellious attitude that happens in that interaction. But I don't think that was initially the case. I know that a lot of these guys were crying out for wisdom. You had Piper, who was coming in trying to help disciple, and then other guys who were, like, just dropping the axe on him.
2: I think, you know? <laughs> I guess I'm thinking, though, a little bit further back, because I'm thinking of, like, guys like Machen at the beginning of the 20th century, who's, like, you know, throwing down and saying, you guys are compromising with the world right now. Because that's what, I mean, that's what modernism was in the church. Like, modernism in the church was, um, hey, we can be cool, too, you know, scientists, we can be too, you know, cool too. all you enlightenment, you know, philosophers. I mean, that's all it was. It was just dressed up like, you know, German nerds. But it was the same, you know, it was the it was strobe lights. It was just, you know, in the academia, academic regalia. Um, and Machen is throwing a fit and saying you guys are compromising and he gets booted. I'm just saying, I think this has been going on for a lot longer. And I also think that there were yeah. a number of fathers in the faith saying, that's not the way. Don't compromise with the world. This is the way you actually, I mean, Machen spoke about public schools and the problem with, you know, um, taxation. I mean, he was, he was taking the gospel into all these areas of practical life. And, and a bunch of people, um, you know, basically gave him the finger and said, no, we're not going to follow you. I guess I'm just sa- thinking, I think you're right on one hand. I think there have been some failures on the part of fathers. I think there's just a bunch of rebellion, too. People saying, we're going to do it our own way. It's, it's the you know, 60s and 70s you know, just um, you know, producing fruit in the children of the church.
3: I think, I think there is some of that. I think there is some of that. I'm, and the guys who I'm seeing, who I'm thinking about, who I'm talking about, I think are, are good guys who just haven't been discipled well. Hmm. Um, and, as, and I see a lot of that in Acts 29. And then in the process, when they grow something... I see instead of figuring out how to come and disciple and and work with them, it's more of a it's more of an axe. And then they're defending everything. Now, I'm not saying that they're right in their approach and how they responded to their fathers. But part of the reason they're out there right now is that they haven't been discipled how to do it. Yeah, Yeah, that's I would. So I think it's a merger of those.
4: Both of those things are are right spot on and Knox where I'm sympathetic to what you're saying is, is the, the, the present guys, the guys that are alive right now in evangelicalism and even in the reformed world in America have, have not been doing this well. Like there is, there is actually something that we're trying to do with this, with this, um, project that has not been accomplished. So I'm thinking even in the world, like you remember how I think it was, um, Obama and uh, another group of people started to even use the language of freedom of worship rather than freedom of religion, mm-hmm. and and we we can point the finger, but it's like why why do we even allow that kind of thing to be a possibility? Mm-hmm. What we're, what have we been doing as Christians? You know, it, you keep your you're free to worship within your four walls. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like well they can say that because that's all we've already been that's all we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. All we've been doing is worshiping the four walls, and so that they took the ground because we weren't out there in the first place. Right. And to your point, there's a bunch of young guys that said, well, I want to do something, you know, but they weren't trained, weren't equipped. They should have been. They should have should been reading and be, yeah. Um, But hopefully this is going to send a message to some of some of the older guys that are really solid. That and, we need. Yeah. And that, you know, they love God's Word and they love the church, but there has been something missing. There's been something that wasn't being done. And we sent some of that at the end of By What Standard. It's like, you know, it's not like we were asleep on the wall when it came to knowing the word of God and loving the church and preaching, but there was something regarding um, living in the world and addressing things that are going on. That those kind of cultural applications, even in sermons, you know, go—you you can't ever neglect the heart when you're preaching God's word. You preach God's word to the heart, but then help people think about their lives and
0: how they are to live in these different spheres. I really think that was—that's been missing. So it seems like um, kind of what I'm hearing here is, you know, the whole major on the major, minor on the minors thing. Is to almost reverse engineer this discussion for what you understand about the how the gospel applies to let's say the minors to continue with that language, uh, what you understand about the each you know education, um, how you view government, how you view it, it really to reverse engineer that you really have to have a uh, full orbed view of the gospel and what it means, not just on the majors but also on the minors. And so we're, we're missing. Uh, so the church has very much missed how, uh, we've, we've lost, uh, the deep, um, gospel is what, what we've lost. We, we don't, we don't know how to apply the gospels to the minors. Therefore, which means we don't have really have a big view of the gospel anyways in the first place. So it sounds like what you guys are doing with the, the sword and the trowel or, the, uh, um, uh, the wielding the sword project, excuse me, wielding the sword project, uh, you guys are picking about fifteen topics is that correct and and you 're yes. trying to flesh out what the gospel means to each of these topics for our, the last couple minutes of our time here. Uh, we just overview um, the, all the topics that you guys are trying to get into and and, and maybe quickly kind of summarize uh, the direction you 're heading yeah well we 've got uh, like
1: the Word of God in the world. So what relevance does God's written word have for the world in which we live, no mm-hmm. matter where you are, who you are? Uh, we're doing manhood and womanhood. What does the Bible say? about What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? Uh, what does the Bible have to say about economics and vocation, uh, aesthetics? Mm-hmm. What does the Bible have to say about education? Um, what does...
4: We're getting into um, we're actually getting into metaphysics, which you know I go might, might make a lot of people's brain hurt, uh, but uh, we're really dealing with a big metaphysical problem. And when you can see it in those terms, that will that will kind of help chart the landscape. Um, we've got one on authority and responsibility, which is basically getting the sphere sovereignty of uh, the government, uh, the church, and the home, and how does authority work in those spheres, and how are you to be responsible um, in those various ways. We have one on the church as well. Um, I can't remember anymore. I think we got vocation. Pastoral
1: ministry. Yeah, pastoral ministry. What was the other? Uh, Sexuality. Oh, yeah. Dealing with sexuality.
3: That's really good. Dealing with culture. We got one on culture. Yeah. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, this is kind of, I mean, we've said this, but in a lot of ways, it's really kind of Christianity 101, (laughs) but it applied, Mm. you know, it's, it's actually applied and that's, that's. Um, we've talked about the idea amongst us about the idea of having this weapon in the house that granddaddy once used and everybody knows that that weapon's amazing. Mm. And wow, look at that sword. This is how he conquered. This is amazing. And then somebody breaks in and we never actually go and grab the sword that granddaddy used to defend the house, but we're very happy to have a good weapon in the house that's capable of defending us if we needed it. (laughs) We don't know how to use it. And that's what the project is. taking that sword off the mantelpiece and using it.
0: And so where can where can our listeners find out more about this project, how to support the project?
3: You can go to
1: founders.org backslash wield the sword or just go to founders.org and look up at the top and click on wield the sword. You can get information about uh, the various uh, specific topics we're addressing, uh, the rationale for the project. There's also an opportunity... Like the to contribute pro- to the project, we would welcome that
0: as well. All right, well, hey, man, it's good to see you guys in Florida. Uh, f- to our listeners, make sure you either join the fam or you join the Cross Politic Club. How about that? They're
1: not mutually exclusive. They are. Nice. You can, you can both. do both.
0: You can do both. <laughs> right. Until next time, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors as self. Go fight, laugh,
4: and feast. This is Cross Politics. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians,
1: it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it?
4: Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and
1: share financially in each other's
4: medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church.
2: Do you believe that you need an insurance company or do you believe that God will provide your needs? And there are people
0: that you've never met before who are gonna pray for you and meet your needs.
2: There's another way.
4: Looking for a new direction for your healthcare? Visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org.